0: Shoes. That would be quite a feat, and the old flounder of the Soul Show is stepping in that direction every Thursday afternoon from 2 to 4, only on your community radio station WERU-FM Blue Hill 89.9 and 99.9 in Bangor. He laces together old and new soul, Cajun, reggae, and whatever else he can shoehorn in, Add some sandalous humor that he sneakers in, and even the well-heeled will be making tracks for community-supported local radio, WERU.
1: Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. A voice of many voices,
2: WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, and on the web at WERU.org, Grassroots Community Radio.
3: It's 30 seconds before 4 o'clock, which is Maine Currents
4: time. Let's take a quick look at the weather this afternoon, sunny. Tomorrow afternoon, sunny. Friday, chance of showers, 50% sun, Friday night, 60% chance of
3: showers. But tomorrow's going to be, like today, only better fantastic weather welcome spring welcome to down east maine stay tuned for maine currents
5: and this is maine currents independent local news views and culture i'm your host amy brown as the political landscape gets increasingly polarized with people also increasingly selecting media that affirms what they already believe We're going to try something that has somehow become unusual and even sort of awkward in this day and age. We're going to sit down and try to have a civil conversation among people from different ends of the political spectrum. And we're going to try to keep in mind that no matter who becomes president, we're all still going to be neighbors. So, my guests in the studio today are a group of local Republicans, Democrats, and a Green Party representative. And we're going to be talking about the candidates they support, the possibility of contested conventions how they think the superdelegates should vote, and whatever topics you as listeners decide to raise if you call in. And we will give out the phone number and open the phone lines after my guests have had a chance to introduce themselves. I do want to mention that uh, things might be a little bit clunky here in the studio. Today we've squeezed about twice as many people in here as the studio is set up to hold, so we're going to be moving microphones around and things, so please bear with us and be patient. It's just important to be inclusive and have as many voices on this topic as possible. So, we're going to start going uh, clockwise with introductions starting on my left. Yes.
4: Good afternoon. I'm Richard Malaby. I live in the town of Hancock. I represent House District 136, which extends on the coast from Hancock to Steuben. Uh, My candidate, if you will, the Republican candidate that I preferred, was Marco Rubio. I am in no way enamored by the presumptive uh, candidate, Mr.
1: Trump.
5: All right. And we'll move the microphone over to Renee Trust
1: Hello, um, my name is Renee Trust. I live in the town of Franklin, and I would like to thank Amy for reaching out to the Republicans to join this forum I um, I I've uh, switched around a little bit on my support of candidates I originally I've had a poster of Ben Carson on my wall for over a year, but I kind of um, my ears perked up when I heard Carly Fiorina speak and um, So, I think she's a fantastic candidate. I was sorry when she dropped out, and I also share Rich's views on the presumptive candidate, and I will pass. All right, thank you.
0: My name is Steve Godso. I'm a retired math teacher for 49 years. I've also been a delegate at the Democratic Convention since 1988 with my wife each time. Uh, I favor Hillary Clinton. In fact, I was a delegate for Bill Clinton twice and for Hillary twice.
5: All right. And you are joining us again. You were here in March at one of our first shows that we did on this topic. So welcome back. Thank you. Steve, just grab that base of the microphone and move it over close to you. Hi,
3: this is Tim Wilson. I'm a small businessman from uh, Belfast, Maine. I've got a degree in political science and MBA, and I I, uh, use as a political measuring stick um, health, peace, and prosperity. And I try to pick the candidate that I think can best promote those things and So right now I'm uh, solidly behind Bernie in his bid for the nomination for the Democratic uh, presidency.
5: All right, thanks, and welcome back to you as well. You've been here before both times that we've done this topic. And Betsy Gerald joins us again.
2: Hi, it's Betsy Gerald. I live in Knox. I'm a former state party chair of the Maine Green Independent Party. Um, Personally, I'll be supporting Dr. Jill Stein as our nominee. We still have five folks in the running right now, but um, she is getting to be our presumptive nominee at this point.
5: All right. So, callers, we'll open the phone lines at this point. We're going to start our conversation, but you can take things in different directions, and the callers often do, and we'll just see where things flow organically. The number here, if you'd like to call in on Main Currents and tell us what you think about the presidential elections, maybe who you support, is 469-0500 if you're local. Again, 469-0500 if you're in the local area. Or you can call the toll-free number, which is one 866 625 Nine three seven eight, and since I assume we may possibly have some not regular listeners joining us, I'm going to give that number again more slowly in case you didn't catch it. It's one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Join in this conversation about the upcoming presidential elections, which seem to be a very unusual uh, election season. So there are a lot of things to talk about. One that I want to, well, two that I want to talk about are. Uh, the contested conventions, what those are, whether or not those possibilities still exist for both parties. It looks like probably not for the Republicans. And also the issue of uh, superdelegates. Those are terms that get thrown around a lot. I'm not sure that everybody necessarily knows what they mean, um, and some of our listeners may know very, very well what they mean. But uh, with the superdelegates and contested conventions, uh, I don't think we've ever heard those terms used And those issues talked about in previous elections, in my memory, as much as they are this time around. Uh, But with the definition for a contested or brokered convention is possible if no other candidate wins the required number of delegates. And that number varies between the Republican and the Democrat Party. With the Republicans, since the the others have dropped out, the other candidates have dropped out, then uh, Donald Trump is not facing that possibility, although there might be some other mechanism by which something could happen at the convention that I'm not aware of that maybe somebody else's and people can weigh in on that. But for Bernie Sanders it looks like that possibility is still on the table depending on who you talk to. Uh, For the Democrats the required number of delegates is uh, 2,383. It looks like Hillary Clinton will not have the number of delegates unless you add on superdelegates to make that cutoff line, and that's why the focus on the superdelegates with Bernie Sanders. Um, quoting an article by H.A. Goodman in the Huffington Post this morning, Bernie Sanders is ready for a contested Democratic convention, especially with the 1,430 pledged delegates that nobody at 538, the Washington Post, or the New York Times imagined he'd have at this point. The same people who predicted Sanders would be done by March, probably the same people who predicted Trump would be done by March, are also the same people who are telling you that Vermont's Senator can't win on July 25th, 2016 at the National Convention, while Bernie has defeated Clinton in 10 of the past 16 contests. Uh, And Sanders himself is saying that if Clinton can't meet the required threshold without the use of superdelegates, that there will be a contested convention. So... I'm going to put this first question out to Tim Wilson. And, again, listeners, if you want to weigh in on this, you give, give us a call. You can talk about this as well at four six nine zero five hundred. As a Sanders supporter, do you think that applying enough pressure to the superdelegates would make them change their minds? I mean, how optimistic are you about that potential approach?
3: Well, I think at least the, the superdelegates that I've seen are highly intelligent and experienced people. Uh, they aren't idiots and I think they're gonna have an extremely difficult choice uh, because they're going to be stuck between so you know Hillary is extremely divisive within our own party Um, so that's a a problem it's hard for you know Bernie people won't necessarily unite behind Hillary Um, yesterday in West Virginia CBS News poll is 44 percent of the Bernie Bernie voters said they would vote for Trump Um, So um, if you want to unite the party, plus gather in millennials in scads and impassion the party, then you want to go with Bernie. At the same time, Hillary and Bill have enormous political capital. They've raised tons of money for these people. A lot of them depend on them, on their same donors, for their livelihood, basically. So, um, you know, they're going to have their self-interest they're going to have a lot of pressure on the, for the first woman president. And on the other side, they're going to have, you know, essentially the future of the party. Do you alienate the millennials uh, at this point uh, to a point where many of them will never come back? Um, so, you know, it's going to be a tough choice for them. Uh, you know, I, I would not want to be sitting in their chair. I know Shelley Penigree right now is under enormous pressure in Maine because 70 percent of her district voted for Bernie. And um, – uh, you know, I think she's got a tough choice to make in her vote. Uh, so, anyway, we'll see how it all shakes down. And what do you think, Steve?
0: I would take a different twist on the. Um, this is Steve Godso, uh, He's a Hillary Clinton supporter. <laughs> on the vote in West Virginia yesterday, MSNBC said, of course, the, the independents could vote in that also. And many of them may have fo- favored Trump, but there was no sense in voting for Trump. So, um, 40% of the uh, Bernie voters that's about 50,000 voters out of 120,000, uh, said if it were a choice between Bernie and Trump, they would vote Trump. So.
5: Wait a minute. What, what, so let me say it Bernie again. The Bernie supporters said that if they. If this is
0: what MSNBC, you know, when they go through all right. the different exit I think you uh, said uh, it was a polls. choice between
5: are, Bernie just, and Trump. You meant. Uh, no, Clinton no, I didn't. Trump. I okay. didn't. Uh,
0: if it were a choice, these are the 40% uh, of Bernie supporters, about 50,000 people, said if it were a choice between bernie and trump they would vote trump and what they were theorizing is okay these were independents who were going to vote for trump they saw no reason in going to the to vote for trump so they voted for bernie partly to create mischief say they don't want clinton so they're trying to drive down clinton clinton actually won the democratic vote in west virginia that's one of the arguments about whether you should have independence or not independence in the, the
5: open primary right. kind of thing Anybody else want to weigh in on this topic of uh, superdelegates? I'd like to leap
0: in on one more thing. Okay. Hillary's ahead by 3 million votes and about 290 delegates not counting the superdelegates. Right. So for the superdelegates to change, it would be very unusual for them to change to someone who is behind in those things. Okay.
5: Representative Malaby, look like you wanted to
4: say something? Yeah, not directly towards the superdelegate issue, but rather towards the con- contested convention. Uh, in the Republican Party, there have been 10... Uh, contested conventions over time, seven of which uh, brought forth a nominee who did not have the previous plurality. Uh, The last one was uh, Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan in 76, but the one previous to that was 1952 when the Republican Party, not being able to make a decision, approached the uh, president of Columbia University, Mr. Eisenhower, and asked him to be, who had never been a political figure, and he ran and won in that year. So I doubt that it's going to happen, but um, there is the possibility.
5: Do, is there any possibility for any other mechanism within the Republican Party with so many people being dissatisfied with this outsider coming in? Uh, is there any other mechanism democratically that could be used for the party to take back control, or do you think people are just going to resign themselves to <coughs> I'm, me, to I'm
4: not sure about being able to respond to saying the party to take back control. Um, however, if Mr. Trump does not have a majority uh, it could be that after the first ballot, if he doesn't secure a majority, it then opens up to a brokered convention. Um, so it still could be. And, and, and what that means, I'm not really sure. It could be a negotiated vice president. It could be a whole platform of people. It could be a different candidate, I suppose, legally, although I I think that would be div- very divisive. Hmm.
5: Um,
4: although, given that, uh, Mr. Trump has been very divisive.
5: Renee trust, did you want to weigh in on that? I'm going to pass on uh, that. Okay.
2: <laughs> Betsy Gerald? Yeah. No, I, no I, I, th- I think it's going to be great political theater, and I'm looking forward to watching both <laughs> of the
5: <laughs> conventions. <laughs> well, how the, being the political junkie that I am. <laughs> how, how does the green system work?
2: It's, it's similar. We have, we just had our state party convention. We have 11 delegates going to the national convention. Um, most of them are going to Jill Stein. Um, with probably a couple going to um, Ms. Curry, um, so yeah, it's it's similar. I, I I think I think it'll probably go on the first ballot, but I don't know that for sure because all the states haven't weighed in yet.
5: So you do the same kind of thing if it doesn't work on the same ballot, then it's yes, can be yes. In fact, challenged. when I was
2: at the Milwaukee convention, however many years ago that was, on the first ballot. Eugene V. Debs got a vote because we knew we weren't going to
5: have a nominee on the first ballot. So it gets very interesting. How many people in this room are going to the uh, national conventions? Anybody? No? I'll be working.
1: Okay.
5: I may try to get, get to uh, down there to cover the main delegation. We'll see what happens for either down and over there. Um, so, again, callers, the number is 4690500 or if you are calling out of the local calling area or not on a cell phone, the number is one 625 9378 If you'd like to join the conversation about the upcoming presidential elections, talking here our main currents with we have two republicans two democrats and a green here and they will uh, answer your questions if they can and we can also have a discussion about whatever topics you'd like to raise pertaining to the elections in the meantime while we're waiting for the phones to ring we have a clip as we're talking about how divided things are this uh, clip was recorded at the convention on saturday uh, in portland the democratic state convention and this is just illustrative of how divided things were there. This is Barney Frank speaking. A a new volunteer for WERU, Maxine Junarca, recorded this for us, and I've just taken two excerpts from his uh, 32-minute-long speech to kind of give you a sense of what things sounded like down there. He was getting heckled.
6: I want to begin by acknowledging... Somebody from Fox News he got in here, and that's where I usually—that's where I usually hear that kind of uh, uncivilized un- abuse. Um, the question, though, I want to begin with is: um, so I, I, uh, Is that how you show your respect for democracy and the voice of the people by trying to shout down people with whom you disagree? And I want to begin by noting that I am in the presence of one of the colleagues with whom I most agree. Beyond that, the question of climate change. Do you have a president, Louis Clinton? She's a nominee who wants to go forward with efforts to
7: deal with climate change, or do you want Donald Trump who denies that it exists?
6: I understand, fracking, let me let me uh, say this, the question is fracking, and some people here will disagree on fracking. The question is, do rational, civilized, mature people allow a difference on one aspect of this issue to have them sit out an election in which the fundamental issue is at stake? question is because you disagree on the if you disagree and now this is a question of how you get change done in a democracy of our size if you disagree on one particular aspect of a complex i'm sorry what is it about the concept of allowing a speaker to speak that offends you what is it about I must say, I was disturbed to notice that before during the debate on some of the amendments, when there was heckling and, and overriding speakers of one position, but not of the other. I commend the chairman of the con- convention for not allowing that.
5: And so that basically went on like that for most of the half hour that he spoke. At one point, he was saying something like, And I'm getting ready to wrap up, and somebody yelled out, Good. I mean, it was really hostile coming from people within one party. Uh, Anyone have any thoughts about that and how this election season is going to impact both of the parties with so much divisiveness between the candidates? Yes, Steve Godso. Uh,
0: As I said, I've gone every time since 88 to now. I've never seen anything like it before. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, delegates were first-time delegates, and they weren't socialized or didn't know how to act or something. But uh, it was very disturbing in that uh, he was talking about there was an elderly woman trying to put forth uh, speaking to one of the amendments, and they just shouted her down. I said, what is this? This is not not democracy. It reminds me of another time around the 1930s. It was very bad.
5: Mm -hmm. Anyone else have any thoughts about how the parties are going to deal or, or, you know, what will be the outcome following this? election season for these political parties will some of this pressure some positive change do you think and i'm asking these questions i'm asking in the studio too i'm also asking you out there listening if you want to weigh in on them again 4690500 if you have any thoughts about that
0: and this this was just in maine of course we don't yes. know what it's like in the other parts of the oh,
5: country. oh i think we kind of do
2: hi this is betsy gerald and i just i think it's going to suppress voter turnout on both sides if trump is the republican nominee and and Clinton is the is the uh, Democratic nominee because because the because the bases the, the people that that have been drawn to the party. The party bases are going to be very, um, disenchanted with those choices. I think so.
5: The party bases or this
2: populist well, movement. Well, I mean, I I think the Republican Party base is. I think on the Republican side, it'll be the party base that will be disenchanted. I think on the Democratic side, it'll be this invigorated young movement that Bernie has managed to stir up.
1: So. Renee Trust. Hi, this is Renee Trust. Um, no, I think not. I, I think you're going to see a huge Republican turnout, and I certainly hope so, because we have a lot to fight for. Even though there may we may not have a favorite candidate on the national level. I mean, we have lots of other great candidates. I'm sitting beside one of them. Um, we. Um, you know, we have a referendum that just popped up yesterday, I think, you know, an, um, another gun control referendum. They're going to come out in droves for that. So um, I I expect a huge Republican turnout. Um, I'm not – I don't have a presidential favorite, and I'm going to go – I I can leave things blank. I don't have to fill – it's not a test. I don't have to fill in every item. So um, that's, that's what I think. Thanks. Tim Wilson?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of people on both sides – be as an anti-establishment group coming in. Both parties are attracting a lot of new people in. Um, what I would say is on the Bernie side of the equation is that a lot of Bernie people feel like they've been shut down within the party, that the DNC has worked against Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. For things like, uh, you know, the, the, the first debate was not scheduled until after the New York registration deadline had passed um... for for being able to vote in the primaries uh... in the boroughs that went for clinton in new york they were all voting machines uh... and the exit polls differed significantly from the results there's no way to audit it and the city controller has called for an audit but uh... uh bill clinton showing up at in massachusetts precincts and blocking access to the vote uh... and not being arrested not being busted Petition with 100 and some odd thousand signatures not being responded to.
5: Do you want to uh, explain what you're talking about because maybe not everyone understands what this incident is well, you're referring to. The
3: the point is that in a lot of the primaries.
5: I mean the Bill Clinton. What was oh, he the doing? Bill
3: Clinton was in Massachusetts, um, which is entirely legal. Uh, what's not legal is entering voting locations with all of his entourage and all of that stuff. So they shut things down for security. He was accompanied by the governor of the state. Um, so people weren't able to access the voting location during lunchtime, which is a very popular voting lo- time in uh, Bernie favored areas. So and so that was a very, but I mean there were multiple instances, and where the the things happen, you know, and then they aren't addressed or redressed promptly, uh, it becomes a problem, and and so people feel thwarted, they feel frustrated by the party process. Oh, and so um. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, now, and that is not to excuse that behavior and lack of respect for uh, Barney Frank, um, but uh, I think that he is uh, on the receiving end
4: of a lot of that frustration of people
7: mm-hmm.
4: yeah I, and this is richard yeah. malaby i 'm going to echo what Renee said. I do think the Republican turnout will be quite strong. Uh, I think right now there 's a poll over the party. Uh, they were taken by surprise by mr trump 's uh, Success. I, I think some of it had to do with uh, the simplicity of the slogan he wore in his hat, making America great again. I think a lot of Republicans would like to do that. They don't necessarily trust his plans or ideas thereby. Uh, and it remains to be seen. I, I think while Mr. Trump is an unknown to many of us Republicans, the Democratic candidate will be a known. And I think Republicans will turn out to vote for Mr. Trump.
5: There's some, I mean, there are just endless polls online, but one that I found really interesting from public policy polling, a company, a professional company that does this, uh, this came out uh, just yesterday, and they, it was favorability ratings around Donald Trump, and they found that Donald Trump, and you might have heard this on MSNBC, because <clears throat> Rachel Maddow got a hold of this and thought it was hilarious. Uh, they compared... Trump's favorability ratings to several different things, including hemorrhoids, cockroaches, nickelback, jury duty, and root canals, and found that he lost in almost all categories, um, including he was less popular than lice. Uh, There's another poll that was done by a conservative paper, or not a poll, they didn't do it, but they're quoting and pointing out a poll that was done by another professional polling company that points out that while Trump is unpopular. His, he remains consistently unpopular at roughly the same levels, but Hillary Clinton just gets more and more unpopular. Her unfavorability ratings increase constantly as more comes out about the FBI investigations and people don't trust her about the whole email scandal. Um, Bernie Sanders in almost everything you read beats everyone else. Does anyone else, does it baffle anyone else how the people with these really high unfavorability ratings, somebody who probably <clears throat> somebody who 's rating lower than and these I, I checked the methodology this isn 't just like a game they actually do good research and who they 're polling um, somebody who 's rating that poorly nationwide for or some buddies, both of them clinton and uh, and Trump are going to be the they're the ones that are winning the election so far.
1: Yeah, uh, this is Renee. This whole Bernie Sanders um, momentum reminds me so much of the Ron Paul revolution. And um, it, I mean, so reminiscent. I've been watching it very closely, and I just, you know, said before we came on that I would love to have been at the Democratic convention this year. And the word theater is brought up, and that's an interesting um, term. I think uh, there may be a lot of truth to that, in, in a lot of areas in in politics. And um, uh, when I'm thinking about the uh, main Republican convention of 2012. Um, there was a lot of blame to go around, and I was part of the Ron Paul revolution. So um, I felt we got unfairly blamed for a lot of things that I know we didn't do. And you know, I've heard some of it here today. You know, the young people were not as politically astute. Whereas I'm a grassroots person. I came in around 2010. I'm, I'm fairly new at politics, and um, you know, I'm here for the right reasons. And I wish we would see more people. Get involved. I mean, our, our committees are right there, and people are not joining them. They're not participating in the political process, which is very fascinating. You know, if you've got a problem, you're out there and you're complaining about politics, go to your town hall and find out who, who's on your committee and join it. Join your county committee and have your voice heard. You can be part of the political process, and I'd love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let
5: others weigh in on that. Let me just uh, take a
1: quick break and remind
5: listeners you are listening to Main Currents on WERU, and strangely enough, we haven't had a phone call yet, but the phone mm-hmm. lines are open. So if at any point you'd like to join us, give us a call at four six nine zero five hundred. Let us know what you think about the upcoming presidential election so you can tell us who you're going to vote for if you want. I have a little poll that we did here back in... Uh, March 2nd, the first time we did this kind of talk, we did an informal little poll of who people called in were going to vote for. We had uh, 11 for Bernie Sanders, one for Hillary Clinton, one for whoever the Green Party candidate turns out to be, and one for Jesse Ventura. And uh, we didn't have any Republicans here with us in the studio at that time, so that may have accounted for not getting any calls for any Republican candidates either time. On the 30th, we had nine-and-a-half for Bernie Sanders, I don't know where, how that half worked out. Does anybody remember that? Uh, two and a half for Hillary Clinton and two for none of the above. We did have people who called in to say that they just aren't going to vote. If voting changed anything, they wouldn't let us do it. Um, we've got a call coming in, but before we take that call, I think you had your hand up, Steve so You wanted to say something?
0: Uh, let's see. When Hillary was the Secretary of State, she had 75% approval ratings. There have been studies that said the closer a woman gets to actually being in power, the more her unfavorabilities rise. For some reason, for men and women, they tend to drive I think her it's a down. sexist
5: thing. Sexist. The
0: other thing is Karl Rove, <laughs> that you know, uh, who own, who's running the American Crossroads Super PAC, has spent millions of dollars in this primary season against Hillary and so are the other super PACs who are Republican super PACs. He spent nothing against Bernie, zero against Bernie, whatever that means.
5: Okay. Let's take this call, and I'm sure we can get back to this issue as well. We have Ralph and Orland on the line. Welcome to the program, Ralph.
8: Yeah, I just had a comment on that poll that was mentioned earlier. Someone uh, said uh, it was a choice between, uh, you know, uh, if Bernie didn't get it. or What was the choice between Bernie and Trump? A lot of people go for Trump. I was quite. Uh, I just wanted to comment that most of the Bernie supporters I know, who are independent, uh, will vote for Jill Stein if Bernie does not get the nomination. So uh, you know, we're really pushing for either Bernie or Green Party.
5: All right. Thanks for your call, Ralph. If anybody else, is, oh, and Ralph, are you there? You still there? No, he's gone. Okay, I forgot to ask, but any other callers call in, please tell me if I even if I forget to ask if you want to be on my little informal poll today, and uh, we'll put you down, see who we have calling in, who they're going to be voting for. Again, the number is 469 0500, 469 0500, or 1 866 625 9378. And we left off talking about um, the unfavorability ratings and and what contributes to that, and I'm sure that there are other people in the room that have some thoughts about that. Any of the candidates? I
4: I think in the case of Mr. Trump, it's uh, what he says. You know, he he makes uh, bold and brash statements that are often unreasonable, and two days later, he makes the opposite statement. And, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult to know what his positions are. He's clearly not a traditional Republican, and and consequently, uh, he's, he's, you know, the support that he's received is to the surprise of many. I think a year ago, many of us would have thought, you know, he'll be out of the race by September. Uh, I I think a lot of people thought that on both sides. And clearly, he tapped into a vein of anger, uh, be it some of it on immigration, some of it on trade policy, that has followed him and propelled him.
5: Okay, we're going to pause right there and take a call from uh, Jerry from Bangor, I believe it is, and then we'll get back to this because I think there are other people in the room who wanted to weigh in on that. Jerry from Bangor, welcome to the program.
7: Thank you so much.
5: Do you want to say what candidate you're supporting?
7: Absolutely. I'm a Hillary Clinton supporter.
5: All right. And what else would you like to say today?
7: Uh, I'd like to ask your Republican uh, guests, uh, would they support Trump? He's obviously going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Uh, You've got uh, Richard, who was supporting Rubio, and Renee, who was supporting Fiorina. uh, But will they support Trump? That's number one. I do think that the superdelegate problem is going to get resolved. It was meant with good intentions, but sometimes there's some unexpected consequences. It was meant to allow more common people to attend the the convention and giving a slot to the elected leaders. But uh, I do think it's patently unfair. I think that the discussion today would also I'd be interested in is vice presidential choices. And I'm very much uh, uh, looking at uh, Bernie as vice president, and I think that would make a very strong ticket. I think the Bernie people have added a lot. Uh, We Democrats need to stick together, and uh, the Republicans need to stick together if they can. So those are my thoughts, and I'd be very interested in what the panel has to say. All right.
5: Thanks for your call, Jerry. We've got another caller on hold. We're going to ask you to wait just a second, Jackie, while we let our guests respond to that. They were asked a direct question. Yeah. Uh, Representative Malaby.
4: At this point, I'm not really comfortable with Mr. Trump. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for him to moderate somewhat, to become a little more consistent. Uh, I, I'm very concerned with some of his fo- foreign policy suggestions. Uh, I, I'd like to say that I'm kind of withholding my support. Uh, I'm not sure what I'll do in November. Uh, Hopefully over the next six months, Mr. Trump will grow and develop and I I think maybe receive a little coaching uh, because I think he needs to
5: grow up.
1: And do you want to weigh
5: in that as well? Renee Trust? Uh,
1: Yes. Um, I'm going to vote as an individual, and right now um, Mr. Trump does not support the platform. He doesn't support my values, and um, I couldn't in good conscience vote for him and— Thanks for putting me on the spot, that's
5: it. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, quick comment and then we've got a phone call.
1: Uh, this is Steve
0: with an aside. What's interesting is Mr. Trump can say pretty outrageous things and really not be held accountable to them. Hillary Clinton sort of misspoke on the coal issue saying that the way things are going they're going to be losing a lot of jobs in coal country and that's going to kill her, one, one thing.
5: It, I think in some ways you have sort of a cult of personality thing going on that's not about necessarily what somebody's is factually saying. But uh, I want to go ahead to the next caller, Jackie in Portland. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Do you want to let us know uh, who you would be voting for?
7: Yes. I'm going to be voting for Jill Stein. All right. And you can go to jill2016.com to get information on her. And um, I just wanted to say that I am hoping greatly that Bernie's followers also come and vote for Jill. Um, it's very, very important. Um, the corporate-owned um, 2 party system is keeping us in these for-profit wars and keeping the environment going downhill. So this is more than just party politics. This is about saving the planet. And Jill Stein has a wonderful program that Betsy can speak a little bit more on, I'm sure. So I just wanted to put that out
5: there. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you for your call, Jackie. Again, the phone number is 469 or 1-866-625-9378 if you'd like to join us on this main Currents discussion here on WERU of the upcoming elections. Betsy? Yeah, uh, Jill has
2: something called the Green New Deal that... Um, looks at uh, creating jobs through um, alternative energy sources and other things that are uh, more decentralized and better for the planet. Um, and again, as Jack, as Jackie said, you can go to jill2016.com and read all the details of that. It's, it's quite an impressive plan.
5: All right did everyone get to say what they wanted to oh you've got your hand up tim go, go ahead
3: oh i just want to say that there will be a lot of, if if clinton is the nominee there this will be a huge year for the greens we may well have a viable third party for the first time i mean it's going to be you have a lot of very politically involved people there are very similar values bernie may go over to be the vp for for jill you know if that happens uh you know we have a third party for real
2: And Jill has offered, (laughs) yes. I'm sure. Can
5: I just say that
2: Jill has uh, has just qualified for uh, federal matching funds, too, which makes her uh, candidacy a lot more viable.
5: So So if the uh, Sanders supporters go over to the Green Party, does that put us in a a race where you've got, like, the Ralph Nader effect and Trump automatically wins?
0: (sighs) It might. They're in the same position now that Hillary was in 2008. She actually was ahead in the popular vote. She won seven of the last ten primaries, caucuses, et cetera. And then it was obvious she wasn't going to win because the superdelegates weren't going to move. Um, She she, uh, endorsed uh, Obama at the convention. She worked in 37 different uh, venues trying to get all of her followers to come along because 40% said they would never vote for him. They had an acronym for it that you can't say on the air. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, and they did come over. And that's how he was elected, really.
5: Betsy, so you definitely wanted to say something about that? did. Uh,
2: just the Nader effect. I mean, when more little old Jewish ladies in South Florida voted for Bush than voted for Ralph, then you know that election was not entirely on the up and up,
1: mm-hmm.
3: okay? Yeah, I would like to add that there were a whole lot of votes thrown out especially minority votes in in Florida, there was only one white guy that stood up to object along with the Black Caucus from the Congress, and that was Bernie Sanders. And the reason the Democrats lost in 2000 wasn't Ralph Nader. It was their own lack of sticking to their guns. And right now, the Democrats control it. It's entirely their call. If they nominate Bernie Sanders, they have a united, energized, passionate party. If they unite, unite, or if they try to unite behind Hillary Clinton, it just won't happen. She's not a strong enough leader. That, that's why she's having the problem she's having. She's just not a strong enough leader saying, I can't do it. You know, I cannot do the things Bernie can do because but, I don't think I'm a strong
5: enough leader. So uh, would you be more comfortable me calling it the Elliot Cutler effect? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Okay. Yeah, that would be Anyone else want to weigh in on this?
0: But she's ahead by 3 million votes, more than Trump and everyone else. From the south.
5: Well, and also you What's have Independence. The independence. Well, are you
0: saying the South doesn't
3: count? I'm saying that in the general election, the South is not the votes that count, How about that
0: Oklahoma? Can, how about West Virginia? Those Oklahoma aren't count was either. won by Bernie Sanders. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so his votes aren't going to count in the general election either.
3: Well, how about Washington? How about West Virginia? How about Indiana? West how about Virginia? Michigan? West Virginia
0: hasn't been how about Wisconsin blue for a long yeah. time.
3: <laughs> well, it won't have a chance to be blue with Hillary
5: is it your sense that uh, most I – and mean, we've talked with the the Republicans are kind of, you know, coming to terms with voting for whoever, or voting for Trump or deciding what they're going to do instead. Um, it's not clear when the decision is going to be made, if it's going to go all the way up to the convention or if Bernie Sanders will drop out before, but it's not sounding like he'll drop out before. Um, do you have a sense, talking to people, how many of them – are going to go Green Party. I, the mention of, I can't remember how many you said earlier, Steve, at, would be voting for Trump instead 40, of Sanders?
0: 40% in the West Virginia primary said afterwards, you know, in the exit polls that they, would, they actually would have voted for Trump if they had the opportunity. If it was Bernie and Trump, they would vote for Trump. That was 50,000 votes that he got in West Virginia. Hillary actually won the Democratic vote.
5: So is that an open primary where people it can? It is, okay. open primary. Because <clears throat> in a lot of cases, what's being left out here is the all of the independents that haven't been able to vote at all in any primary or caucus or, or without switching parties or doing it on time.
3: Well, where they have been allowed to vote, Bernie has been dominant. Um, and they're the group. I mean, basically... The Democrats don't have enough votes to put somebody in the White House. The Republicans don't have enough votes to put somebody in the White House. It's who can draw the independents.
5: Is it too paranoid to speculate about whether or not some independents might try to get the person that they think, the one they really want to have in? Like, for instance, they might vote for Bernie Sanders in an open primary because they think that he would be easier for the person they really want to beat.
0: That's the point of that West Virginia vote. And the other thing is caucuses. Bernie is dominating the caucuses, but that's only like 3.6 of the electorate who go to caucuses.
5: All right. We have a call from Matthew and Waldo. Welcome to the program, Matthew. First off, before I forget to ask you, do you want to tell us who you are going to vote for?
8: Yeah, it's going to be Bernie. All right. It has been Bernie since we're done. Okay. I just wanted to say, you know, as you're starting to say here, um, half the state of Maine is independent. Um, therefore, both. Of the traditional parties have what, 25% of the vote each?
5: I'm going to let uh, uh, let me, a uh, couple of uh, people wanted to respond to that, Matthew, and, and interact with you here. So they're saying 40% is?
1: 40%, yeah. That's okay, from well, Betsy Gerald and from Representative
5: Malaby. Okay, if it's
8: 40%, it's still a huge number. So this two party system that's got us uh, a stranglehold on us is just no longer relevant. So let's 40% of us or 50% of us get a third, fourth, fifth party going and shut this thing down. Well,
5: there's a third. Uh, we have, we deserve, have her here. We, deserve, we have a third party. We deserve
8: party. many more voices. We've got the Green Party. Um, there's a Libertarian Party. So it is time for us to vote where we need to vote and uh, take these two other parties down.
2: Yeah, it doesn't look like Gary Johnson is going to be on the main ballot. But um, What a bummer. Yeah, but yeah. but well, thank, Jill, well, whoever our, our nominee is will be on the ballot.
4: And I just wanted to say, and this is Richard Malaby, that political parties are private affiliations. If you would like to have another party, get your friends together, register, get the votes, and do it.
0: I agree completely. And for instance, you <laughs> would not quite that would, easy. You wouldn't want uh, the Green Party wouldn't want two thousand Republicans come over to be in their convention and try to sway the convention. You know, I mean, you have your own right to your own party, right? You wouldn't want a union, if you're in a union, have all other kind of people come in and vote. You set up these private entities, like the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are private entities. And uh, you can form a third party, or you can come in and join those parties, even if it's for a couple weeks in the primary. That's one of the benefits of uh, a primary, really, if you're in that
5: You know, that's one of those things, though, that if the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have become the only two ways to become president, I mean, and other offices as well, if they are completely in control, at some point, you know, the people who are are worried about and people who sympathize with the parties because there seem to be sort of, to some degree, hostile takeovers taking place in both of them, But if those are the only two, if they've gotten it so locked down that those are the only two ways that you can become president and the alternatives are basically like the Green Party shut out of things, shut out of debates, shut out of publicity, shut out of media, then that becomes sort of a revolutionary act is to try to get your foot in the door through one of these and uh, and that's the only sort of in that you can exploit i think for people.
2: Dr. Stein was actually arrested last time around trying to get in on just in the door at one of the public um, um the televised debates. debates. Yeah
5: renee 's pushing the microphone away well, well, you. yeah well we 've changed topics since I was going to oh. talk, but we, go ahead, bring it back to what you wanted to say.
1: you know I was going to talk about <clears throat> the um, you know, part the whole party thing you know I, I was an independent un, which is actually unenrolled my my entire life until um, back in two thousand and nine, I think it was I was covering an event as a photographer um, and I heard a candidate speak, and normally i don 't even listen i 'm visual. But this candidate, I heard him, and it was our governor, Paul LePage, and um, he really connected with me. And um, I, char- uh, you know, I joined the Republican Party in order to help him get elected, and, I, um, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, and so I felt like being an independent, my voice wasn't even being heard. I really like the idea that I can vote in a primary. And, um, you know, and I think anyone who um, is an independent and a Bernie supporter should, you know, should have joined the Democrat Party and had their voice heard and, you know, made a difference. And I think some have, from what I'm hearing. A lot of them. (laughs) Steve Steve, Steve Gottsow.
0: It'll be interesting to see if Bernie, um, he still isn't a Democrat. He hasn't enrolled as a Democrat. To see after the election is over if he joins the Democratic Party if he stays as an independent.
5: I think it would be interesting to see if Trump is actually a Republican after the elections. Nobody really knows that either. He ha- doesn't have, like, the political track record to demonstrate, you know, where he would vote on issues. And I think, I, I don't know if that concerns you too, but I've seen other people express concerns
1: about that. Yeah, he's flip-flopped, and he's He's been in both parties, and um, I know him as a progressive and that's totally against uh, Republican values. And
4: I think financially, he's supported the Democrats more than he has the Republicans historically. Yeah.
1: Mm.
5: <laughs> Tim Wilson, you, you looked like you were moving toward the microphone there for a second. Did you? I was, but I lost my. Uh, you lost your shot. <laughs> OK, one of the things, since we're not getting uh, the phone's not ringing right now, I asked you at the beginning if you wanted to ask questions of each other. If anyone has a question prepared that you want to ask one of the other panelists, and uh, does anybody?
0: How about minimum wage?
5: you can direct it to whoever you'd like um, and frame it, in the, frame it in a question.
0: What are, you, what are your thoughts on minimum wage? I,
4: I think uh, there's a thing called a market wage uh, and there's also, you know, I, I think today people often confuse minimum wage with, uh, what do they call it? Living wage. Living wage. Uh, I have no problem with, with differential minimum wages paid to younger people. Uh, I'd like to employ more people. Uh, I I have no problem with, you know, I I don't know that the minimum wage uh, referendum that we're about to have in November, I don't know if it's going to pass or fail. I have no idea. I think, uh, you know, as an employer, I don't think I've paid minimum wage to anyone in years. Uh, But then again, I'm an employer, Uh, and it's what you have to do uh, to attract people. I think, you know, I think, in, you know, in this case, additional government intervention is probably unnecessary.
5: All right. That question, just in case listeners uh, weren't aware, that came from our Hillary supporter to one of our uh, – Steve Godso to uh, Representative Rich Malaby, who is one of the, our Republicans in the studio. And I'm going to try to just say who you are and who you're asking, to as you pose questions. Did you have another one? I have, uh,
0: speaking to that, I favor the minimum wage. Right now it's seven It would go to 15 That's a big, big jump. Uh, there are unintended consequences, though. My wife just retired as director of a nonprofit for uh, adults with disabilities. They have no way to raise money. So all the money comes, 95% of the money comes from Medicaid, which is uh, one-third from the federal and, I'm sorry, two-thirds from the federal, one-third from the state, but the state administers it. So if that happens, I think the lowest one she has is $10 an hour in her, in her company. There are 140 employees, 300 clients. And um, if that happens, then unless the state, which right now they would not do it given the legislature, allows for a higher rate, then she's going to have to, she would have to tell the uh, uh, employees or the clients that their program is ending or lay off people. All right. So that's true in the American and the uh, Affordable Care Act, too. There's got to be some mechanism to allow for more money to a nonprofit.
5: We're going to let you to respond to that quickly, and then we're going to take a phone call. Just
4: briefly, I, I sit on Health and Human Services, and uh, this year we uh, recommended numerous increases uh, for reimbursement to personal support services for a lot of the individuals who help our elderly and some of our disabled population. We had recommended $8.5 million, that was a Republican bill it didn't make it all the way through. We added $5.5 million this year. It'll go into effect in August. Uh, but there are numerous other areas where we increase wages because we need to do it to attract and retain. Uh, we recognize that over the last 25 years, there are various elements of social services that have not gotten a penny raise because we've continued to grow our social services. And as we've done so, we've not been able to pay more and to attract and retain people. So, We're trying to do it it's been difficult but it is happening
5: robert in belfast thanks for your patience you're on main currents you want to tell us first who you'd be voting for
4: uh
8: yeah i'm a bernie supporter all right
5: and Um, what's on your mind
8: but i'm I'm a a a senior citizen and um back in the early 80s i was a republican i voted for ronald reagan um and republicans as I recall back then, Eisenhower, for example, he paid for a war with higher taxes, if you recall, and he supported the, the, pretty much the platform uh, that Franklin Delaney and Roosevelt, uh, as, as far as social systems had gone, and that's given us quite a bit of uh, economic security. But then you know, Richard Nixon even said, I guess we're all Keynesian now, if you recall that, uh, that quote. Um, yet then came Barry Goldwater. And uh, blessed Gary, Gary Goldwater, he had an idea of how to deconstruct the New Deal. That was, that was his mission. And uh, in order to realize that mission, they sent out uh, the actor Ronald Reagan. I voted for him. Um, however, I continued to study American history and economics. And I started reading different things from groups like the Cato Institute that were very anti keynesian and very anti-FDR. And slowly, the Republican Party started to adopt a way of looking at economics and regulation of economics. Uh, Here I fall down on the side of Robert Reich, who says that there's no such thing as a free market. Uh, Government regulation creates the market by its rules of regulation. Uh, At that point, they started to suggest that lower taxes on the rich, uh, and a system that deconstructed FDR's New Deal was the Republican Party platform. Move forward to where we are today, and the Republicans have gotten their wish. They've gotten exactly what they've been asking for. They've gotten the belief that the problem, as Reagan started to say, was that the problem is government, and we need to remove government from regulating the market. What you have today that makes the Donald Trump possible is the absolute success of that aspect of the Republican Party's platform, that government is useless. So therefore, we go and we get ourselves elected into government as Republicans, and we prove it so. It's a home accompli. This Congress cannot do anything at all. And now they got what they deserve.
1: All right.
8: The last shade on their head is Donald Trump. I'll leave it there.
5: Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you for your call, Robert. We only have about five or six minutes left to the show, so I want to give a chance uh, for the guests to respond and then have final comments at the end. And since you were talking about the Republicans, I'm going to put this back over to Representative Mallaby and to Renee Trust, the Republicans in the studio, and see if they want to weigh in on that.
4: Thank you. Thank um... you. You know, I, I can't disagree with the dysfunctionality of Congress. Uh, I serve in the Maine legislature, which is a highly effective uh, group. Do they get a lot done? Not necessarily. But we consider 1,700 bills uh, over the last session. We voted on everyone. We have joint standing committees. Everyone gets a hearing. Everyone gets their day. Everyone. And things move along. Uh, at, at, at the federal level... They've got different committees within different bodies. They've got uh, gigantic staffs. They're distant from the actual activities. Uh, leadership is such that you don't even, you know, a simple majority does not work in the Senate. Uh, there's a lot of rules, and I, I could go on and I will not, but I, I am equally dissatisfied with the performance of the federal government. I think a lot of it is the rules that they've instilled uh, that perpetuates uh, their positions and it's sad.
5: Renee, do you want to weigh in on that?
1: Yeah, just briefly. I mean, the caller is much more knowledgeable about history than I am, but here, here's where I come down, and maybe I prove his point, that um, I think government is too big, and I think they're terrible stewards of our money, and it needs to be reined in, and it's just, it's out of control, and maybe that is why, you know, I, I did, I, I would like to mention that I read somewhere that Trump has been speaking to people on a fourth grade level and and that 's why he 's effective and you know that's that 's kind of sad that 's mm-hmm. kind of sad that you know <laughs> um, and, and you know it may all be a part of it and I, i'm very I'm very discouraged, but please do Republicans get out and vote for bruce poliquin he's a fantastic congressman that's been out there doing um a great job for the maine people and uh, you know, let's let's help them keep that seat. Anybody else have any last thoughts as we go around the table?
2: Yeah, I would just like to echo the, the. Go ahead and vote. If even if you can't vote for who's at the top of the ticket, go out and vote. As I was going my question was going to be about all the referendums that are on the ballot this this November here in Maine, which sure. is that's going to bring out a lot of interesting mm-hmm. folks. and I think it'll bring out people even if the <clears throat> if even if they are discouraged by the the, the top of the ticket folks. Um, but yeah, do do come out and vote because there are down ticket races that are very, very important. Tim Wilson? Uh, Last thoughts. Well, the
3: idea that government has no role—I mean, uh, there's 3,500 Superfund sites in the United States. I mean, there, you have to have regulations. Somebody's got to make the rules of the game that business plays by. But if those rules are tilted against the middle class, and you wind up with what's happened in both cl- in both parties. Um, so, and I would also encourage everyone to vote. Uh, if you don't vote, you're not counted. You are really independence. You may not be heard, but
0: you're counted. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so,
5: and the last word goes to Steve Godso.
0: As a Democrat, I think Bernie's revolution can be realized if Bernie follows and Bernie and Hillary work together as a team. Uh, elect more Democrats and progressives throughout the uh, House and Senate, and all the way down to dog catcher. Get a uh, liberal Supreme Court, overturn Citizens United, and many many other things that you'd want. Now, Bill and Hillary were. Uh, he had to run at that after Reagan and Bush. He had to run as a centrist. Uh, they worked for. They left Yale, went to work
5: f- for McGovern. We've got like two minutes left, so don't give the whole bio.
0: Okay, <laughs> and um, uh, and still got A's back at Yale. Um, she was a, the eleventh most liberal person in the Senate when she was there.
5: Okay, sorry to cut you off there, but I hope you will be back. I hope most of you, if not all of you, will be back at some point. We're going to be doing these call-in shows at least twice a month. June, I think, only once a month because I'll be out of town for one of them. But up until the election, we're planning on doing these uh, roundtables. Margaret Hanna is another person who is a Hillary Clinton supporter who will be swapping off some with Steve. Hopefully Steve will be coming back as well. I'd like to invite... Renee and Representative Mallaby back as well. If they'd like to join us, we can, we'll talk later about the schedules and what dates work out. And we've had at least one or two other Republicans indicate an interest. If there are other folks who might be interested in joining us in the rotation, get in touch with me at news at w-e-r-u.org. We just want local folks. We don't want, you know, you don't have to be some big person in the party and we don't, Want people from away, um, although they're all great too. We just want you know to keep this sort of like a discussion between sort of neighbors. So we're out of time for today, and we will be picking the topic up again, like I said, in two weeks here on Main Currents. And be sure to catch Main Currents here every Wednesday at 4 o'clock for independent local news, views, and culture. Another opportunity to speak your mind about the issues we raised today or anything else that's on your mind will come up on the soapbox next week, which is on Thursday morning at 10 o'clock. That's our monthly uh, community soapbox. I'd like to thank John Greenman, who was our engineer today, and Maxine Janerka, who contributed the audio that you heard today. And my guests again were Betsy Gerald for the Green Party, Republicans Renee Trust and Representative Rich Malaby, Hillary Clinton supporter Steve Godso, and Bernie Sanders supporter Tim Wilson. Thank you all for being here and for keeping this very civil and informative. And listeners, I hope to see a lot of you Saturday night in Bangor at the UU Church, 7 o'clock. Amy Goodman will be speaking there at a fundraiser for WERU. We'd love to have you come out. And in the meantime, stay tuned for her show, Democracy Now!, which is coming up next. And then jazz right ahead with Larry Stahlberg here on Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Thanks for listening.
8: Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org.
5: WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and on the web at weru.org presenting diverse music and alternative public affairs.
8: Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Easterly Wine of Belfast, Maine, an independent enterprise that supports free speech, democracy, and independent media.
9: You're listening to Community Radio, WERU FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Here's a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the Greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. Tonight will be clear, lows around 40, northwest winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Thursday looks sunny, high 72 to 78, winds out of the west at 5 to 10, and gusting up to 20 miles per hour. Thursday night, clear. Lows 45. Southwest winds 5 to 10. Friday, sunny in the morning, then becoming mostly cloudy with a chance of showers late in the afternoon. High 62 to 72. Winds out of the south at 10 to 15. Friday night, showers are likely mainly in the evening. Lows 48. Saturday, mostly cloudy to start, then becoming partly sunny. Highs 62 to 68. And Sunday, mostly cloudy with a 50% chance of showers. Highs near 58. In the marine forecast for the Penobscot Bay Area, tonight, northwest winds 5 to 10 knots, seas 1 foot or less, and then 1 to 2 feet after midnight. Thursday, winds will be out of the west at 5 to 10 knots, shifting to the southwest and gusting up to 20 knots in the afternoon, seas 1 foot or less. Thursday night, across the water, southwest winds 5 to 10 knots, gusting to 20, shifting to the south after midnight, seas 1 foot or less.